0: Hello and welcome to the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom podcast. This is Melissa Freidenberg and the Gross Point office. And this week, our guest is Irina Palitano. Welcome to the podcast, Irina. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Irina is a conservator, guardian, and mediator. She owns Michigan Conservators. And along with her husband, Patrick, who's an attorney, together they help families with a variety of legal matters and Both Irina and I have a passion for helping women. And we were talking about this, we've organized kind of some educational fireside chats to really help women stay informed when it comes to finances and legal matters and really just getting our ducks in a row. Because as women, whether we're moms, caring for kids, caring for our parents, we handle a lot of the mental load and do a lot of things for others. And it's important to make sure that we take care of ourselves for the things that could come up, whether it's the, a divorce or death of a spouse, just really being prepared, right? I mean, that yes. I, we share that common connection. So I wanted to have Irina on the show today to really talk about some of the things to protect ourselves and mistakes that you have seen along the way. Again, welcome to the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom. We're so excited to have you here. Thank you, thank you for having me. Talk to me a little bit about your experience and why you feel it's so important to help women with these issues.
1: Um well, just out of my personal experience and out of my work experience, um I am noticing um you know sort of the trend where you know women tend to trust men in their lives to take care of these things, and oftentimes they either don't or don't, they don't do it correctly. Uh, Women tend to live longer. So we find, you know, in my uh, career, I find a lot of times, um, you know, women live longer, men take, you know, are the, you know, primary breadwinners, and they take care of the finances, they take care of everything. And then women are kind of left, after they pass, they're left on their own, not knowing, you know, where to start, how to handle issues. Um, And some cases, they end up trusting People who don't have their best intentions in mind with these issues and um, it kind of hurts them, you know, when they really need it the most in their last years of their life.
0: It is common for women to take care of like the day-to-day finances, household purchases, but as far as large financial decisions, whether it's, you know, purchasing a home or relocating or, you know, income decisions on jobs, a lot of times we defer that to our spouse Yes. Or um, we make decisions, big financial decisions with other people's best interest in mind and forget about ourselves. That's what I've seen in my experience. Would you
1: agree with that? I I absolutely agree with that, Melissa.
0: And as you mentioned, we live longer. I find we also tend to, and and myself included, marry men that are a little bit older. So in theory, you know, we're going to live 10, 15 years without a spouse. So if our spouse is taking care of the finances and we trust them to do, maybe they do a great job, but being informed, knowing what happens if and when they pass, because those last 10 to 15 years are the important times when you need to have your ducks in a row and know what you have. So let's talk a little bit about that. For the average family, what kind of things should they start with? Documents in place to take care of you know what ifs.
1: Well, at the minimum, we recommend having the estate plans done. And by estate plans, at a minimum, having the powers of attorney. So we're talking about financial power of attorney and a health power of attorney or patient advocate form done, will, um, and the trust. So the difference is the powers of attorney um, for health and and financial are during your lifetime should you become in, in any shape or form incapacitated. And, you know, people think of that as, you know, old people and Alzheimer's, dementia, you know, that sort of incapacitation. But we've seen where, you know, younger people are going in for the surgeries, you know, or something to that nature God forbid an accident and they're incapacitated by being in a surgery, right? They're under anesthesia or in coma or anything else during the recovery. And somebody needs to make the decisions on their behalf um and they just don't have anybody assigned to do that so it makes it difficult for the health you know professionals to know what to do in those circumstances so at the minimum you know having someone um you know on the paper named to you know make some of those decisions should you be unable to do it and then you know god forbid something happens and you pass away that's where the will sort of takes over and then Indicates where who and what should you know take care of your stuff and who will get what you what you have.
0: Okay. Could you? I know this could be a whole podcast in and of itself, but a question that I get all the time Mm -hmm. is how do I know if I need a will or a
1: trust? So how we package it too is that we have everybody have a will and everybody will have a trust, and and I'm only saying there's a difference between. You know, will and a trust in a sense that having just the will will then transfer your assets through the court system or through the probate. So having a will, it's a it's a very public sort of thing because the court documents and court records are public, so everybody will see what you have and everybody will see who will get that once you pass. A trust is a very private matter. It will also indicate who will get what should something happen to you, but it would hand be handled. You know, outside of the courts, right? In most cases, if nobody is contesting and if nobody's, you know, arguing the validity of the trust, everything will be handled privately and rather quickly. Where the wills and the probate may take sometimes, sometimes years to get resolved. In the trust, it's very clearly specified as to who gets what and when items get distributed rather quickly. Another difference between trust and a will is that. in a will, the assets get distributed immediately to your beneficiaries. So let's say you have, you know, something happens to you and you have an 18-year-old or a 19-year-old named in a will, that 18- and a 19-year-old may get those assets right away and guess what they're going to do with that? Spend them. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's what <laughs> I yellow. would do when I was, <laughs> when I was 18 years older. I was 19 years old. That's what I would have done. It would have went out, had a big party, and that would have been it. Yeah. With the trust, you can sort of specify. You can time the disbursement of those assets over a longer period. You can also, you know, indicate who, if if your heirs will get it, if their spouses will get it. You know, you can include the family. You can exclude the family, and you can. And if you do have, let's say, minor children, you can have those assets being distributed in percentages maybe or in increments over a longer period of time. So the so you can have more control, I guess, over what your heirs and how will they spend their money, you know, if you have any issues and concerns. It used to be um, that um, an estate tax was an issue and that's why people, when you say wealthy people, that's why they had the trust. We recommend trust now for anyone and we make it affordable for anyone to have it because we feel like, you know, that is the most private the best way for somebody to handle their, you know, lifelong earnings and pass it on to their family members over a period of time. As you said,
0: people think I'm not wealthy, and I have wealthy clients who don't think they're wealthy, but at the end of the day, you know, I like how you said you can control how the assets are distributed, and I always recommend pretty much everybody, but especially those with young children. Because if something were to happen to you, whether if you're a single mom or if you're married and something happens to you and your spouse, I know here in Gross Point there was just a couple that died together in an, in an accident. I don't know anything yeah. about them. They weren't my client. It does happen. It can happen. Sure. And maybe um, that would be a good time to talk about your work as a conservator, right? If <laughs> something were to happen and maybe you don't have a family member that you don't feel would handle the distribution of your assets to care for your children. Explain a little bit how that works or what that service looks like.
1: So my, technically my, you know, profession is a professional fiduciary. So, you know, conservator is a one part of it. I'm also a trustee, um, you know, on the trust accounts for people as well. So oftentimes this happens in the circumstances where either the person doesn't have anyone and it's, you know, really sad to see, but there's, Many people out there that either haven't been married, have no children, have no family, um, they're aging alone, they're um immigrants that came, you know, to this country um, and just, you know, don't have any family here to handle their assets. So oftentimes I get appointed or named by individuals as a professional fiduciary, right? So, you know, I'm insured, handle the assets, I'm a neutral party, you know, I'm doing this in a professional manner. I have no Ties to this person and I have no personal benefit from this, right? Um, my goal is to follow their wishes or what I would understand their wishes to be. If there's, if there's a trust, it will be spelled out hopefully in there as to how they would want their financials being handled. I also get appointed where there is, and an, most of my cases are, you know and especially because of my uh, mediation experience I get appointed on cases where there is a lot of family involved especially when there is a lot of money involved there's all of a sudden family comes out of nowhere mm-hmm. everyone wants to be that financial expert that it's going to handle their family's financials and and it becomes a conflict right so it, usually there's siblings, they're in conflict, um, there's family members in conflict who should be in charge sort of thing. They don't feel, you know, that person maybe was named to be in charge, that they're a trustworthy person to be in charge. And oftentimes they would then bring these situations to court in some cases where, you know, the person may have done something inappropriate with the funds, sometimes um, not knowing their duties and what they're allowed and not allowed to do. Sometimes they just help themselves because they see money there. And um, in those cases, I get appointed first to handle like the family matters on the mediation side and to keep everybody informed and obey. And then being appointed as the fiduciary in a circumstance where I would be that neutral party that will then handle the assets. And then none of the family members will have that conflict amongst each other, hopefully, you know, one, the neutral or professional steps in, they have the different, you know, um, relationship with the person They can be that child to mom or dad and not have to carry the burden of the financial responsibility of handling their assets.
0: That's so interesting and such an important service. I mean, people... I mean, look at my kids are only 12 and 14, but I've seen them fight over the last chicken wing and I just don't know what would happen if I put one of them in charge of assets. Um, Hopefully they'll, you know, mature and get a little bit better. But people get like, mine, you know, like nobody's going to come in here and take the things. So
1: yes, very, very common. And that's where, you know, when you and I were talking about that's where education sort of starts. That's where the conversation starts, um, you know, prior to those. Things happening, right? So, having something in writing, having those conversations with your kids, with your grandkids, um, you know, educating them about finances for for once, letting them know, you know, as they get older and mature and they can understand more, you know, where your assets are held. You know, um, a huge part of what I do is marshaling the assets or finding the assets, and oftentimes we find assets that family members couldn't even believe. The person will have because they never talked about it they never you know they'll live frugally maybe and you know um, they just assumed they didn't have money but they really were stashing it away and buying investments and now you you know they're in a position where they had a significant amount of money and the family members were just in awe that you know a person that lived that frugally would have financial uh, financial assets or they just wouldn't know the person will die and they're like how do we bury them yeah. how do we pay for this? They wouldn't even know where they banked. They don't know where they, you know, where their bills are. They don't know where the retirement was coming from. Did they have an insurance policy? Did they not? You know, did they have a prepaid funeral expenses? Did they not? So having this conversation and educating people how important it is to have these conversations with their loved ones, I think it's half the battle. And I think kind of solves some of those issues about, you know, what belongs to who and who should get what and and valuables for that matter too.
0: Yeah. And you see in the movies where they like the reading of the will, right? And then yes. people are like, oh, they left me this. But in yes. reality, you should have these conversations while you're still of sound mind Absolutely. with your children and with your spouse. Because Absolutely. I find, you know, I, I help happily married couples as well, but a lot sure. of my clients are women. Yep, And they often come to me either after divorce that they were mm-hmm. not expecting or the loss of a spouse through death. So sure. the emotional stuff that they're going through on top of discovering sure. these surprises, sometimes sure. surprises in a good way, sometimes surprises in a bad way, like, oh, well, we probably shouldn't have belonged to right. this country club or, you yep. know, been spending all this money because there's really not enough to maintain this lifestyle. Or like you said, there's, oh, my gosh, I had no idea we were we were wealthy, yes. right? That whole term. Absolutely. But either way, it's that's not the time to find out, right? I mean, it you is know, not. I remember talking to my husband, like in COVID when we thought this, you know, one of us could die. Like mm-hmm. we're older, we're chubby. I don't sure. run. You know, <laughs> this is like this could be it. Like, where are the documents? But um, you know, having that conversation really it, it helped. Talk to me about some of the biggest mistakes you've seen people make.
1: Well, number one mistake is not having the estate plans, you know, and that's where, you know, things can get really out of control. And that's what I've seen most of the assets of that individual going to the attorneys and attorney fees over, you know, who should get what, how things should have been handled and things like that. Like family Um, fighting, Exactly. Um, Mistakes of not communicating with the family members when doing the estate plans, not communica- communicating with family members and letting them know you're naming them as the ones in charge. So um, we had multiple people that came and said, I don't know why they named me as a personal representative. I don't know how to do this. I don't know why they named me as a part of attorney. I I can't handle this. I, I This is not a job that I'm willing to accept or sign up for. Um, So having those conversations, not just naming people just because, well, I only have one niece. So I'm just going to name her actually have a conversation, ask her, is she willing to serve as your power of attorney, you know, as your personal representative, have those conversations with people. So I would say communication regarding and, and actually sitting down and making the plans is the, you know, one of the biggest sort of challenges that people end up having Um, Also talking about, um, you know, second marriages, blended families and things like that. We have been doing quite a bit of uh, prenuptial agreements where, you know, families are sitting down ahead of getting married, you know, the second marriage or third marriage, having multiple kids and sitting down and, and talking about what that would look like financially, what they're bringing in financially And what then the estate plans would look like for this blended family. How are the kids are going to be, you know, should something happen to one or the other? Are the children going to be handled? How are are the assets going to be split? You know, what is considered joint assets? What is, you know, his, mine, hers, ours type of thing? Yeah, Um,
0: that's so important. I didn't, Mm -hmm. you know, think to mention that. But that's Mm -hmm. another thing where I think we think, Oh, a prenup—that's for like movie stars and athletes and people that are wealthy, right? Sure. But that, i had a blended family, and um, they're all still alive. But I know that if my dad were to pass away first, I'd probably have ended up like Cinderella somewhere in an attic. But that's normal now.
1: It's a reality now for a lot of people, Um, you know. And it is so important um, that—that's how you avoid the conflict. Then later amongst the children and the family members, because once it's spelled out clearly and talked about ahead of time, that's how a lot of those issues are then resolved later on, you know, where, you know, certain children feel like they're entitled to certain things and the other children are entitled to other things. Um, You know, having those conversations ahead of time, talking as a family, putting plans in writing um, avoids a lot of those issues and conflicts later.
0: Now, let's talk a little bit about because this just reminded me a lot of times people are happily married. One of the spouse inherits money from their parents. So talk to me a little bit about what you do then to protect those assets that are your mother's, your father's and not necessarily marital
1: assets, even if you're happy. Sure. Um, The trust is the best way to do this. Um, And having we have people that have joint trusts as a couple. As a married couple, and then they have individual trusts that um and actually our family is um, an example of that as well. So what it's what is happening in our we have a joint trust for me, my husband, for our assets, and then um the inherited assets are going to actually be passed to our children. There's a separate trust that then disperses the assets down to them. So they each have a trust, and um, it should something happen to you know my in-laws or my parents or something like that the portion of those assets are going to go from my parents or my in-laws are going to go into our kids trust automatically so it would sort of bypass us um but that's that's how they wanted and that's the conversation we had with them regarding their assets so we looked at everything they had and we felt like that would be the best way to do this parents may live another 10 20 years so we don't really know how much but we know that the mechanism is there in place set up that should something happen it's very, you know, clear as to what's going to happen and how the assets are going to be distributed. And And we've already created the place for those assets to go a placeholder. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Now, one thing that I see, and I know you do a little bit of divorce work as well, Mm -hmm. but dealing with women in the course of divorce, I've had a couple cases where they inherited, not a huge amount, but enough. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, my husband can't, Touch this. He doesn't get half of this, right? Because I inherited it. Right. But they commingled it. So right. they didn't keep it in an account just in their name. Right. So that would be a mistake I've seen people make. And you can avoid that by, well, setting up a trust, obviously, but even just keeping it in an account only in your name versus right. you and your spouse, even if you're happily married, because sometimes people are happily married and then they're not. Right. right. <laughs>
1: Exactly. Exactly. And then, again, especially when there is blended families involved or, you know, there's children from other marriages they're you know, uh, potentially could get overlooked and things like that. So, again, it's very important to ha- have the conversation and to have these things in writing.
0: Any final thoughts or last things that we want to address as to, you know, ways to protect yourself?
1: So my advice people when when I have conversation, I mean, you know, talking to you, you know, as a a financial advisor and financial planning side, you know, that's ultimately, you know, um, you know, how the assets are going to be handled, you know, and then on the legal side, having the estate plans done. So that's like, you know, sort of like what I tell people at the bare minimum, you know, these are the things that, you know, you have a driver's license you have a social security card, you need to have a financial advisor and you need to have an estate planning person. These, these should be like a minimum requirements for every individual and would like to have, you know, good quality of life, um, you know, for the rest of their life and, and good quality of life for their family. You know, I tell people already you have a plan and nothing happens than not have a plan and things happen. And then you find yourself in, in a very tough predicament Where you end up struggling and really for no reason. So, having these, um, educating yourself and having these conversations early in your life, even when you feel like, well, I don't have enough money, I don't have enough assets, but at least having these beginning conversations so that, you know, as you're building your wealth and as you're building your life and as you're building your family, these things kind of grow with you naturally, right? So, you have life circumstances, you get better jobs, you get bonuses, you get things, you already have mechanism in place that you, you know, you can invest the money, you can, you know, pass the money on, you know, whatever you need to do. But you know, at the bare minimum, have those educating yourself and having those um, things in place early in life. So as you build your wealth, um, they're there for you always.
0: And I love that you mentioned just educating yourself, because mm-hmm. that would be I think that'll be our final thought mm-hmm. of even if you have those professionals in place at a minimum, you know estate planning done um, by a professional and then having a financial advisor educate yourself don't depend on you know same thing as don't depend on a spouse but don't depend that they're doing the right thing Um, most professionals are good but they should also explain to you in Mm -hmm. common language. And I do find sometimes that it's not about not explaining, but people are like, no, no, no. I don't know anything about this. I don't know about finances. You handle it. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm going to handle it because that's what you're paying me for. But I want you to know why we're doing what we're doing. So if you're not getting that from the professionals you're working with, do find somebody that speaks to you in plain language and helps explain what you have and why. And... That's why we've started our fireside chats. Yeah. So our first one coming up is specifically for moms. We know not everybody is a mother, but we look to expand this. Irina and I, our next one is on January 17th, which is a Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will link the sign up below. So if you're in the Gross Point area or close by, you know, within a reasonable drive and would like to attend in person, We're going to get together and just chat and share our experiences, whether it's people who have had parents pass away or people who've gone through divorce or just surprises where they weren't prepared and really just leading that conversation and hear what's worked for other people and what hasn't,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, bring questions. We'll answer any and all questions you have. Yeah. No one's going to judge you by your question.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I like. And, and that's the thing. It, you don't have to be a client of either of ours. This yep. is something that we're doing because we feel passionate about it. Financial yep. literacy for women. Again, yep. this first one, the 17th, well, it's actually, it'll be our second one. We have one probably before this airs, but um then we will have other opportunities possibly if you're listening, not yes. in the Metro Detroit area. We um, will likely in 2023 have a webinar, same kind of idea or something mm-hmm. that you can join virtually. So do um, look in the links below. You can sign up uh, to hear about these future events and also just, again, um, find the resources, whether it's reading books, podcasts, still have professionals doing it, but just knowing you know what happens when these potential emotional situations come up so that you know that you have everything in place the way you want it. I'm very excited about collaborating with you, Irina. Thank and you. Um, you do great things for people. And I'm so happy that we got to meet.
1: Yeah. Same here. It's going to be
0: fun. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. And um, as I said, I will link future events below. Uh, I ways to keep in contact with both Irina and I to talk to her about getting some documents in order or we'll about get it taken care of. Absolutely. Mediator guardian conservator. She is your girl. So we will link that contact info below. Thank you so much for having me, Melissa. (laughs) Thank you. You can access our first two seasons of this podcast on our website at www.pearlplan.com or on Spotify. If you're interested in learning more about Pearl Planning, feel free to sign up for our newsletter also found on our website.